Isaiah 12, sorry, Isaiah 1, 12 to 15. When you come to appear before me, who asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I, I hate with all my being. They've become a burden to me. I am wary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. Woe to you, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And lastly, Hosea 6.6. 6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I'm tired. I am really tired. I'm hot and I'm tired. How many here is tired? Those of you who raised your hands, I know you're tired. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, I know you're so tired that you just couldn't raise your hands. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. We just made it through two holidays, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we have another one on the way still, New Year's. Educators and students, we're in the eye of the storm of our school year. Families, we've either made it to our get-togethers or we couldn't make it to our get-togethers, and we still have to deal with who could and couldn't make it, including the hurt feelings, the good feelings, and the family politics. Shoppers, our finances are—let's not go there. We've left, we've rushed, we've arrived, and through it all, we made sure that we were joyful, right? I mean, right? It's like we're in a— <laughs> it's like we're in a garbage compactor with a princess, a hotshot, a furry bear, and a boy with questionable abilities, and the walls are closing in around us, and we continually try to push them back only to get a little more tired. Tell me if this sounds somewhat familiar to you. I woke up this morning, I put on my clothes, and I rushed down to get myself a cup of coffee. I gulped that scalding liquid down and made another mug for me to carry here, which is already gone. And I rushed to get the kids ready for church. Minutes. That's what each day boils down to, is minutes. A conglomeration of minutes that just constantly haunt us. They remove themselves from existence so that we try to use the last few wisely, or maybe efficiently, or at least use them. And then as soon as I'm done getting the kids ready for church, and I should say as soon as Katie's done getting the kids ready for church, we're out the door, rushing through traffic, rewriting the meaning of the yellow light from yield slow down to can the gas pedal go down any further, and then we're at church. Ah, church, what a beautiful, wonderful thought to relax and worship God. What a beautiful, fleeting, very fleeting thought. Because as soon as I enter the doors, kids either go to their activities or sit down while we do praise team practice. We do praise team practice. We have to do the right notes, the right rhythms, look happy, participate. Do the same thing during service, and then afterwards go home, eat, and nap. And forget about God. Now, you can rearrange those variables any way you want to find your own situation. 
But think of that not just for today, but for the week, for the month, for the rest of this year and into the next. We rush to church, we rush to school, we rush to eat, we rush to meet friends and families, we rush to our jobs, we rush to appointments, we rush home to relax, only to rush to cook and clean. And somewhere in the midst of it all, God is supposed to be there. And you know, at least for me, when I finally do take time and take time for God, I'll do one of two things. I'll either pray one of those, how can you help me prayers. You know the ones, I mean, it's ones that we do all the time. God, can you please help our family? Please bless our family. Help us, give us, help, bless. Those are the three words, help, bless, help, bless, and give. Help us get things done that should be done. Help our friends and our family in times of trouble. Bless our finances. Bless our jobs and our businesses. Help us take time for our family. Help us. Give us. Bless us. Dear vending machine, please give. We know better than to pray those types of prayers because we've either engaged God on a deeper level before or we have this nagging feeling that there's supposed to be something more to our relationship with God. We know better than to pray only those types of prayers. But all too often, those are the only prayers we pray. The other thing that we do is that we go through the motions of what we know we're supposed to do. See, we know we're supposed to read the Bible, so I'll sit down with my Bible, and I'll lay it open, and I'll stare at that page. Sometimes I'll put it under the pillow and uh, lay on it. Maybe through osmosis I'll get something. But those words will be on the page and they'll get into my head, but I'll have no idea what the meaning is or what those words are saying because my mind is on the laundry that needs to get done later on today. Or when we worship. We worship God by singing songs that we've sung so many times that sometimes we are more focused on the harmonies and whether or not we like the song or the style of music, rather than on what the actual words are or the actual worship of God. Another way that we do when we pray is that we pray these broad, general prayers. Broad, general prayers. For example, instead of saying, God, my, my brother is hurting right now. You know, it's really tough. He, he has these real health problems. Instead of talking and conversing with God, connecting with God, I'll say, God, please help my family. And at least for me, when I say help my family, that takes care of a whole lot of time. God, please help my family, and we're done. God, please help the world, and I don't have to talk about politics. I don't have to talk about uh, crisis. I don't have to talk about shootings. I say, God, help the world, and I'm on to the next thing. Broad general prayers. We go through the motions, and we get things done quick. Reminds me of a coffee commercial that I'd seen quite a while ago. I like coffee. I've, you already know I like cake. We're going to coffee this today. So this coffee commercial, this person wakes up so tired to get their cup of coffee. And their eyes are closed, and they try to stumble out of bed. And they start going through their door, and they run into the wall because their eyes are still closed, which I'm surprised I'm not running into anything. And they correct themselves, and they get through the door, And they start going down the stairs, and they half stumble, half fall down the stairs. And they get to the kitchen finally, and they're reaching for their cup of coffee. I'm still facing you. They're reaching for their cup of coffee, and they're punching that cupboard. They're, They're just wanting that cup of coffee, but their eyes are closed the whole time. They think that they will somehow accomplish their task without ever taking a purposeful step. 
It's like the Israelite priests and the Pharisees. See, they seem to have trouble with the same problem. They started out being very excited about God and their relationship that they had with him and the relationship that they participated in in their relationship between God and Israel and God and the world. New relationships are always exciting. But somewhere along the way, they lost sight of God. They lost sight of the meaning of their offerings and services and worship. They went through the motions, but they forgot about their relationship with God. They became meaningless. And then they went a little further. They enjoyed the meaninglessness. They would rather have just done the action, rather have just did the offering than actually what God wanted them to do. How true is that for us? Are we so caught up in our schedule sometimes that we forget to take a moment to pause and authentically and purposefully engage God? Listen to this passage from Isaiah again. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. You know, let's substitute our own services in there, shall we? Your Thanksgiving service, your Christmas Eve service, and Easter services. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They've become a burden to me. I am wary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. These verses speak. They speak louder than what we do in this space week in and week out on Sunday mornings. God wasn't just angry. God was hurt. Do you hear the pain in these verses from an all-powerful God? An all-powerful God saying, I am wary. I cannot bear. Stop. They have become a burden to me. Do you hear the pain? God was hurt, and God was saddened. Saddened that those who were supposed to know God the best fell away. Saddened that they could have had a deeper relationship, and they didn't know it. And that's what the simple message boils down to, that we need to purposefully engage God, not through rituals that hold no meaning, but by engaging our heart to his heart. That is why Jesus said that the widow who offered all she had offered more than anyone else because she engaged with what she was supposed to do. And that is why Jesus paid no attention to the disciples when they were pointing out this beautiful temple. It held no meaning. He ignored it, and he said, this temple's going to fall. He wanted them to engage with what really needed to happen. And that is why Jesus upheld Mary when Mary just stayed there and Martha was out doing everything. Martha was doing all these actions, but Mary was engaging Jesus. That's why Jesus upheld Mary. And that is why when the woman at the well, when she focused on a place of worship rather than on who to worship, Jesus answers back with, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. God does not want us to go through the motions. He wants our heart 
our mind, our soul, in spirit and in truth. Because our God is a jealous God. A jealousy that is demanding as the grave that it put him in. He wants all of you, just as you are, to be with him. To love him as he loved and loves you. To share your joys with him and your sorrows. To be angry when you are angry and peaceful when you are at peace. We must authentically and purposefully engage God. And that is why you'll never hear me up here on stage saying that there's a proper way to worship. I won't do it. Okay? Some of us, we worship by, by clapping our hands. Some of us worship by closing our eyes. Some of us worship with our hands at our sides, with our arms folded, with our hands raised to God. When I sing solos, some of us worship with our fingers in our ears. I can't tell you that there is a proper way to worship because each of us engage God in a different way. Each of us has a different relationship with God. If you are authentically, if you, if you are being who you are to God, and if you are purposefully worshiping him, then who am I to say that you're not? But if we aren't authentically and purposefully engaging God, like we so often do, then we need to listen to these words. We need to listen to the pleas of our God who is trying to get our attention by saying in Hosea 6, 6, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. These pleas come from a place of what God wants from us. He wants mercy, not some random act that makes us feel better, but does nothing for our relationship with God. And acknowledgement of himself, you know, what he is doing or has done in our lives. What he wants and what he desires. Rather than meaningless words offered in a prayer, in a rushed prayer, or sung to a random tune, or services and ministries that the only thing connecting it to God is that we sneak the words Christian and Jesus into them. Now remember, in Matthew 23, Jesus said, you should have done the latter without neglecting the former. What he's saying is you need to connect with God while you do these things. Don't just go through these things and just do them. The important thing is connecting with him. God is pleading us with us while we still have the time to listen and respond. He is calling us to focus on knowing him. See, we need to get to a place where we could care less if we have done this service for uh, every year for fill-in-the-blank years. We need to get to a place where um, we could care less if we've done the service the same way every year or this ministry the same way. And we need to arrive at a place where we're asking, what are we learning about and from God through our services and ministries? I believe this is what Jesus had in mind in Matthew 7, starting in verse 21. Barbara, I don't think I gave that one to you. I apologize. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in, my, and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
These people come to Christ and say, did we not do all these things for you? Did I not lead worship for you on Sunday morning? Was I not part of a committee at the church? Did I not lead and teach small groups or Sunday school classes? Did I not? And the list goes on. And Jesus will respond back by saying, we didn't engage heart to heart. You didn't seek to know me or let me know you, the true you. I wanted to become your friend, your brother, your helper, not just an all-powerful God. I wanted to know you. But you focused on the key changes in the music that you did. Or on the color of paint in the parking lot. Or on the heat and temperature of the sanctuary. Or if and or how many of the empty storage rooms you got on the third floor. And any other number of meaningless things. I never knew you. And that's all he wants, to know us and to let us know him. New Year's is coming up. And right after that, we'll go back into the swing of things and educators the, and students, the school year starts again. And even if uh, you're not busy now, you're going to be busy again. We need to be encouraged to take this time to engage God in a different way. Starting today, let us find a moment to just pause. Pause and find a way to give back to God rather than ask from God. And let us use this time to approach God, not as one who's looking for coffee with our eyes closed, but as one with energy who is happy to see and spend time with God. It reminds me of another commercial. And for those of you who worship with your ears plugged, fair warning, I'm about to sing. This person wakes up, smiles, and dances down to the kitchen before starting to sing. Reach for their cup. In the morning I wake up, grab their cup. I reach for my smiley face cup, grab their coffee, and get a little pour from you. I'll pause for laughter. (laughs) The important thing isn't the energy. The important thing is that we don't just go through the motions. The important thing is that we come to God as we are, with our emotions, with our experiences, everything, and engage God authentically and purposefully. Let us pray. Lord, God, Yahweh, our friend, we decide to pause. Lord, we decide to pause now before the service ends, before our days continue on, before anything to acknowledge you, to love on you. You have loved us so deeply, and some of us may be engaging it for the first time, and others of us may have felt it so completely that we have just rested in its comforting embrace, and everyone else is in between. We have each engaged you differently. But we haven't taken the time to say we love you with no strings attached. In the midst of our busy times and our busy schedules, Lord, I will not, I'll purposefully not ask for help or assistance right now. I won't ask that you watch over our family and friends, that you comfort anyone or that you do anything. We just want right now to be a time of us saying that we love you, to lift our hearts up to you. Your love for us is not conditional on on us doing anything. And so we take this time to let you know that our love for you is not conditional on anything. 
is not conditional on you acting in our life or in our family and friends' life. We love you for you, period. Just as you love each of us for who we are individually. We don't want to make you worry or angry or hurt or sad. You are our friend. And so, Lord, we cast off the offerings of worship and the services that meant nothing, and we offer ourselves our everything. Because, because we know that this, this person that we are, in all of our flaws and imperfections, is what you desire. You love us for us, and so we know that we are not meaningless. And so we know that offering ourselves to you is not meaningless. We love you. Amen. The altar call is simple today. One, it's hot, so it's a good day to get baptized. The other is just to take a minute to pause, to engage God as we are, and all of our flaws and all of our imperfections to come to God and say, you've made it possible, and we're going to come to you. Stand with us and sing.